Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen and I work for Danfoss Cooling. In today's podcast, I'll talk to Stefan Bachmann, a colleague from the German branch office near Frankfurt in Germany. Stefan Bachmann is a senior team leader for applications and technical support. Stefan, could you please tell us a bit more about your uh, your job or rather the, the, the team's uh, support jobs, the, the typical tasks that you have? Just, just for an introduction of you and your your position, your 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 situation. Yes, um, thank you, Jens, for giving me the opportunity to tell you a little bit about uh, what I do and uh, maybe to hear some stories from me and uh, and maybe I can give you some hints. The daily job is uh, basically uh, telephone support. This means uh, people are phoning up if they uh, wanted to have a hint about malfunctioning solenoid valve. If they have uh, something about uh, dimensioning of maybe um, condensing unit or if uh, there is a setting to be done for um, electronic controller, maybe for a pack controller or for um, a controller who is doing the temperature, just a simple one or complex ones. So basically everything what is coming down to cooling, when it's coming down to cooling uh, is my job. Um, also, if you have an old part, want to replace it, it's not existing anymore to find the right successor and so on. So my team and me, we are every day on the phone or sometimes it's a mail or something. If there's something more complex or it's with a, where you have to see um, a photo or a photo would give you uh, a hint or let's say a, a diagram, yeah, which can give a hint to where the problem is and so on. So um, the positive thing is I'm directly connected to the uh, customers uh, and uh, there's also some, uh, let's say, abstract thinking necessary because the customers, they are often directly on site yeah, doing some work and uh, I'm only on the phone and uh, have to imagine what the, what the whole setup is like. Uh, if it's let's say something in a swimming pool, a heat pump, yeah, or if it's a freezing room or if it's chiller or if it's yeah, various components, basically everything. So, yeah, yeah uh, so this is uh, this is uh, what I do here in my team. Yeah, how how big is your team? How many people are engaged there? I'm big. I'm about uh, let's say uh, uh, 250 pounds or something. <laughs> no, okay, just kidding. Um, yes, my team, it's, um, I at the moment have uh, six people and uh, one of them is specialized in uh, uh, coping with complaints, but the others are focusing on different um, 
let's say, uh, different segments of cooling and also of industrial automation. So this means one guy specialized in supermarket electronic systems, yeah, like this, or another one is it's not directly refrigeration, but it's about sensors which are used for exhaust systems of big chips. So this is not directly refrigeration. And others are more on industrial refrigeration, which is ammonia. Yeah, so, and I'm uh, doing basically everything a little bit. So I'm the all-rounder uh, and the boss of the team. Yeah. Yeah, just just out of curiosity, another question to your to your daily work. Um, can you can you say anything about what what types of questions are, are more uh, predominant than than others? I, I mean, it, it sounds like you're you're looking pretty much into electronics uh, and controlling and 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 so on. Or what would be the most say common themes questions? Uh, yeah, uh, places where you need uh, support. Yeah, it's a good question. And um, in fact, it's not as uh, everybody assumes maybe uh, uh, like it is. I, uh, some time ago, I was at a, a big um, conference coping about service and how to uh, make service smart and combine it with the latest technologies and so on. And there was um, a guy sitting next to me uh, at the table. I didn't know him before. And he said, yeah, okay, so what you're doing is uh, uh, sounds pretty much as it is always the same. <laughs> and uh, of course, if you have only, let's say, uh, some, some uh, uh, only a few of, um, let's say, plug-ready um, systems, this might be the case for a support guy that it's always the same, more or less. But we have so many components uh, uh, at Danfoss, uh, everything, and and uh, in in uh, of, uh, very often it's even for one solution, we have different parts uh, than the electronic solution, uh, the mechanical solution, or a combination of both. And um, one is for uh, OEMs, others is more for wholesale or standard installers. So it's really very hard to say, um, is there something uh, um, often more often uh, coming back? A major trend, uh, which is so, let's say the, yeah, the, the common thinking is that it all goes towards electronics. Uh, this is partly right. But uh, especially in refrigeration, there is a lot of mechanical parts too, and very, very reliable uh, mechanical parts, which are, uh, let's say, um, improved over the years with a lot of experience. So I'm not 100% saying that all is going in the direction of electronics, but um, for me, a major trend is mechatronics, so uh, a very decent combination of mechanical and electronic um, uh, components. And of course, yeah, it's clear with all the smartphones and with internet and everything. Of course, these systems where you can, let's say, monitor a supermarket from remote, they're getting smarter and smarter. That's clear. Yeah. So, yeah, but of course, there is a, a an evolution over time and, and we're still relying on on uh, you could say the 
the old well-proven uh, mechanics. And, and on that uh, note, Stefan, uh, one of the questions or rather teams that, that we uh, would like to discuss today uh, when, it's, when it's about uh, cooling systems and the heart, so to speak, of the uh, cooling system, the compressor itself, there are several technologies in the market, but I guess one of the more, uh, say, common uh, types are the reciprocating compressor, the hermetic or semi-hermetic. Um, it seems to be uh, that this type of compressor is still going pretty strong, despite a relatively old or well-proven technology. But what is your perspective if we're looking, talking only about the, the, the comp reciprocating compressors? How can you can you say anything about the experience with all these service calls, et cetera, over the many years that you've been working for Danfoss? Yeah, it's a very interesting topic. Generally speaking, we can say that I am coping more with the hermetic uh, reciprocating compressors, but uh, uh, very generic or general speaking. Uh, compressors, uh, reciprocating compressors are also existing in semi-hermetic and also in open systems. And uh, there is not always uh, one right solution for everything. For example, I've learned when I visited uh, the well-known company Pizza long years ago, like 25 years ago, uh, that um, they wanted at that time, even they wanted to stop their production of open receipts because it's not state-of-the-art anymore and it's not so common in Europe and everything and everybody thought, okay, it's old-fashioned. But then uh, the guys from Africa, uh, especially on uh, countryside there, they, they, they really came back and they said, please, please don't let these compressors die. We can always repair them. Let's say with if you have a bearing, you can repair them always. Yeah, you don't need to, uh, to have renewed everything and fancy stuff. So for Africa, an open compressor can can be the solution. For us here in Europe, and as we are discussing about um, F-gas regulation and uh, very hermetic systems, of course, um, uh, one of the favorite choices is a hermetic compressor. And if the people are calling um, about compressors, um, one part is that they're looking for a successor which is not existing anymore or which is not available. And then you can say, okay, is the uh, the refrigerant and the envelope, is it like HPP, MBP, LBP, so the evaporation temperature, yeah? Can we have something else, another compressor, which is also fitting and doing the job? Um, and what can we do? This is one of the most common questions in the receipts. But the other one is, of course, uh, the troubleshooting on site, which means that the compressor is not running anymore and they're calling, yeah, what what can we do? And so um, then it's, uh, it's uh, to have a look about uh, the refrigerant, maybe is the refrigerant lost, yeah? then we uh, will have a look at uh, the um, the windings of the compressor, are the windings okay, or is there uh, a shortcut something, or is, uh, is there um, a connection to the earth, um, or is it just that the compressor was a little bit overheated, maybe through to 
a refrigerant uh, a shortage there that there's some somewhere leak and then the internal switch the the let's say um uh, the security switch or the the switch which, which uh, trips uh, if something is not okay like overcurrent or too hot inside of the compressor this has switched and then we are um, we're checking that so for example if you have a receipt compressor three phase and it's also already uh, um, already done as a star uh, winding uh, then you can just uh, check the three connections. If there's no connection from neither of the ones to each other, then it's very likely that the, um, the overcurrent or over temperature switch inside has, has tripped. Uh, and, and so, so it's, it's both is successor finding or finding something which is available to replace the compressor. And it's also some troubleshooting on site. I see, but also uh, uh, from 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 the, the bits of story, so to speak, uh, about Africa, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you could say that that the reciprocating compressor is kind of the workhorse of refrigeration, I guess. Or, or how do you look at that? Is is that also like my understanding of it is that it's an old friend that that uh, keeps working basically. It's noisy, yes, but it's it's trustworthy and it's versatile. Uh, how do you see that, Stefan? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I like reciprocating compressors. <laughs> I can say <laughs> yeah. that for because uh, some people that they they said, okay, you 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 like these compressors so much. Do you have one uh, near to your bed? If you go into bed, then you just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, go a little bit over them, said so. I have sleep, uh, sleep tight. Uh, or sleep, have a good sleep. Um, yeah, and it's it's not a hundred percent like that. But uh, I like reciprocating compressors not only because I like them of because of an undefined uh, reason. Uh, it's because you can use them in every size. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. unlike of other compressor technologies, it's in very, very small sizes. Let's say it starts from two cubic centimeters. If a trucker has, uh, wants to have a decent uh, a box, a decent cooling box for his, his things, what he needs, yeah, uh, drinking and eating, uh, he uses a, a, a cooling box, but one with a cubic with compressor technology. So this starts from two cubic centimeters, even smaller as every uh, fridge. Yeah, and it goes up to uh, big Grasso compressors. Uh, they look more like if you're going there in a machinery room, you see big Grasso compressor receipt. It looks more like you have tight. Uh, a tractor uh, from from farming use down yeah. uh, to this yeah so every sizes yeah every thinkable um, refrigerants even a lot with just one compressor so one compressor is suited often for different refrigerants and if you do the job right it's running on and on and on and on and on yeah it's so like this <laughs> maybe the, most of uh, people don't, don't uh, have experienced that, that live, me too. Uh, but uh, there was a Volkswagen Beetle uh, ad in, in cinemas and or commercial in cinemas and uh, TV way back uh, when this uh, Beetle was not new anymore. But um, they said, okay, 
buy a beetle and then it runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. So for me, it's the same with the recipes. If you do everything right, and it's more or less also simple yeah, to, to treat a, a, a reciprocating compressor, it's not too fancy. Um, then it, it runs and it, it does the job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, perfect. But can you can you tell us, or should we say, reveal some of the secrets behind the 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 long life? What what, what should we do as 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 uh, technicians uh, on a on a plant? What can we do to make it yeah have a long happy life? Yeah, I, I think we the well, residents have deserved a happy life. <laughs> So I, I think yeah. so too. Um, they are working and they deserve a happy life. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not so complicated. Yeah. Um, one point is uh, that there's always enough oil. Yeah. Sounds simple. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases where there's only one compressor in a very compact unit, it is more or less simple. Yeah. yeah. But when it comes down to packs. Uh, so where you have three or more um, uh, compressors in a compressor pack, uh, then it's 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 really very tricky to uh, really get everything running, have uh, enough and not too much. Can also be too much oil, yeah, but have the right amount of oil, every one of that. And also over the years, if something maybe go is, is going wrong, like there is a leakage or something, that it's still the right amount of, of oil. You all know that the oil is going with the refrigerant uh, through the system. And uh, it's very, very important that uh, they have oil. And it's not that simple but it's also like uh, if a compressor is starting yeah and you don't have pump down or you have no uh, crankcase heater then there's also like the um the oil and the refrigerant uh, mixture is foaming up which also dilutes uh, the oil so it's very important that you have this oil thing secured yeah. then there is another rather simple one is that the compressor is not starting too often. If it starts every few seconds and then it stops, it will die soon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you have, let's say, uh, a big rule of thumb, yeah, like six starts an hour and everything else is done right, then it will uh, it will run forever. Yeah. yeah. So maintaining oil, uh, also the quality of the oil, you could say, is a is a is a is a relatively important thing plus like you said also the start stop uh, sequences over time that's good information yes thanks um we uh, when we're looking at at yeah well new compressors compressors in general uh you often see uh, uh an operating envelope um how can we for what use is this uh, envelope in the first place? Can it? What does it tell us actually? Can you put a few words to this envelope thing? Thanks a lot for this question because um, I like the question because the the real practical guys, yeah, the fit, the fitters on site and so, and if they are looking in an application brochure from a compressor manufacturer as we are then they see often these these um, 
application envelopes and uh, then they will say, oh, okay, it's too complicated. Uh, uh, I will look uh, elsewhere or I look for other information. But but it's not complicated. It's a big help uh, because this envelope tells you exactly um, where the compressor can be uh, um, uh, can can run and uh, when you are outside of the envelope. What does this mean? So at first, if you are looking on a compressor envelope, you have to ensure that it's the right refrigerant. Yeah, for example, there is an envelope for one three four A. Yeah, for example, or let's say a more uh, modern uh, um, refrigerant where there's also 134A inside is 513A, yeah, for example, like this. Uh, you have to ensure that you have the right table yeah, for this refrigerant. Then there is um, uh, there's, um, kind of limits, uh, and within these limits, you can uh, be sure that the compressor can do that. That means, for example, there are compressors receives uh, who are um, specially for freezing, which means they have uh, low LBP or they're running at low back pressure. Yeah, so like low evaporation, for example, uh, a real freezing compressors mo mostly running at minus uh, 35, or if you have a very good system, minus 30, and most of the compressors can also do minus 40, but if you come too low, then it's uh, too uh, too much wasting of energy. Yeah. But coming back to the envelope, uh, for this kind of compressors, it's like a freezing compressor. Uh, then the envelope is at LBP conditions. It will not, not show uh, at HPP, at high back pressure, for example, at plus five. But this is out, outside the envelope, but it will show something like minus 30. Uh, why is that? It's because it has a rather weak motor com co uh, compared to the same compressor in cubic meters, uh, in cubic centimeters as displacement if you have it like in MBP or HPP. So it's important that um, if you have such a compressor, you uh, take care that it's always only within this envelope. And then it might be necessary to use a, a mop expansion valve or uh, to have uh, a crankcase uh, um, uh, regulator uh, to assure that the pressure is staying uh, low and not to uh, have too much charge on the compressor. Um, so the main thing is refrigerant and then uh, the LBP, MBP, HPP uh, a thing which uh, says the range of evaporation. But there's also some kind of um, maximum uh, condensing temperature, which is also very important, as especially at the freezing compressors, because uh, uh, if they are too much, uh, let's say, going down and it's too much uh, superheated, then it will become excessive uh, discharge temperatures, which can also uh, be a problem for the oil, that the oil then is uh, denaturated or something. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. It's quite important that you actually have the right compressor to the right operating uh, range area, whatever we call that, the 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 envelope, basically. Um, yeah, I, I I guess that's that's uh, that's that's pretty obvious that that the compressor needs to be 
built basically to the needs that you have on on your particular system, so to speak. Great, thank you, um, uh, Stefan. Another thing uh, is uh, when we're looking at the electrical part of things. Are there any co uh, considerations, any electrical considerations, so to speak, that we need to consider when we are working with uh, recipes? Um, generally speaking, um, that there's one, uh, let's say, very major decision. Uh, it is uh, when to go from one phase to three phase. Yeah, you know that um, our standard net uh, net from the electrical supplier. Uh, gives you three phases, yeah, and uh, it is always good uh, if you use three-phase equipment because it's good for uh, energy consumption and it's good for the supplier of the net because then uh, the compressor is taking uh, from all the three phases the same amount, which is generally very good. So. Um, if it if you have a very tiny compressor, um, as uh, this is not having a too too big impact on the net, yeah, you can of course use uh, a one phase system uh, with a with a standard plug, yeah, that's uh, two hundred and thirty volts here uh, in our countries. Uh, that's clear, and it's also with if you have a hair dryer, yeah, for example, uh, you would not use something with three phases here yeah, because it's more <laughs> or less uh, uh, a bullshit. Yeah, but uh, the decision is um, around. Yeah, if you are coming across uh, 20, 30 um, uh, cubic centimeters of displacement, you often have the choice. To if you want to go with 350 volt or if you go 400 volt and three phases, and then the most energy efficient or the best technical solution is to go very early to three phases. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are other considerations like uh, is there uh, three phases where you need it and so on, but this is one very general uh, consideration and uh, for all uh, the refrigeration uh, specialists out there, um, it's better to to take uh, uh, earlier at, at smaller sizes, three-phase versions. It yeah. better is better for energy energy consumption and for the net and everything. The the second one is um, as uh, the discussion was a lot about uh, uh, receipts and so on. Um, receipt compressors, especially the hermetic ones. They often make uh, the life easy for a fitter because uh, if you want to connect them, yeah, um, there's often already everything is pre-prepared. You don't have to put any bridges uh, anymore uh, into the electrical connecting box and change something. For example, um, on commercial compressors, often that they're already connected to the star. I already mentioned that in a, in a earlier question or earlier answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you just have the big mains, L1, L2, L3, and you can then connect the three mains on it. There is nothing secret about that. Uh, and even if um, the phase following of uh, your um, 
your three phases from the net uh, is not exactly right and it would then turn into the other direction at a receiver state doesn't matter yeah you have mm. uh, of course the crankshaft is turning in the other direction but at this is uh, as this is transferred um, via the um, uh, the piston and the connection rod yeah the the push rod to the piston to up and down Mm -hmm. um a movement uh, it doesn't matter it will compress nevertheless yeah, uh, yeah. this is uh, a different to let's say um a scroller or a screw compressor yeah 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 um and talking about electricity or electrical considerations um uh, just a just a question uh, you could say a side question um how about speed regulation on on reciprocating compressors uh how are you what are your thoughts to that? Can we can we just put any old uh, frequency drive on on any uh, given compressor, or do we have any specifics uh, on that? In fact, it's it's not so easy. Yeah, uh, this question you have to take something into into consideration. But you can do uh, the um, uh, variable speed. Um, you can do variable speed with the receipts, it's no problem. Uh, you can also do that with scrolls and so on, but uh, it's possible with receipts. And uh, as we are also talking about uh, not only the pure effects, if you have a system yeah, where there is, a, let's say, mid-size, a commercial compressor running with um, the frequency converter, and uh, it is uh, with that also uh, starting uh, very smoothly yeah so uh, this is a dream for every uh, fitter yeah it's really if you compare it to normally um, commercial receipt a medic version is like it's starting and then it's whoop and it's like uh, the the inside of the compressor is uh, in springs and then it's moving yeah and uh, okay it's it's something for rough and tough mechanical guys so mm -hmm. uh, this is nice like if somebody is driving a muscle car yeah mm -hmm. like a mustang or or something like this uh, mm -hmm. then then it's his choice that's clear but if you have it um with a frequency converter or with a soft start which could be based on a frequency converter or or not uh, it's really smooth it starts yeah. smooth yeah so this is really so you are sensing that this is good um Important is that um, on uh, a medic uh, commercial compressor receipt with no separate oil pump, as you have it on a on a semi-hermetic receipt, there is a, a, a oil pump. But on a on a hermetic one, there is just this standing crankshaft, and there is no separate oil pump. It's done with some uh, um, uh, with um, some uh, holes in the in the crankshaft that the uh, which is transporting the oil inside of the compressor and therefore this is a major reason why you have to be very careful if you connect uh, a frequency converter to a uh, to a standard uh, commercial receipt uh, that you have to have very fast the minimum speed otherwise this is not working yeah uh, but of course um, these let's say pioneer days they have gone so um, from our side from Danfoss side we are providing uh, packages where we have a drive 
and a compressor a match to each other because of uh, that not everybody needs to know hundreds of different motor characteristic parameters to put inside the drive and so on so that this is already done uh, but there is also coming back to the oil is also this oil thing is is a very important one there okay. and the other point is that um, you always have to have a look on the compressor which is frequency uh, uh, converted uh, or variable speed uh, that it has not necessarily have to have a motor with uh, three phase 400 watts but it could also be a motor which is normally for 300 for 230 three phases not one phase but three phases mm -hmm. because the converter he gets from the mains the 400 uh, volt free phase, but he turns it into something else, yeah. and that the upper limit will not be uh, um, will not be uh, harmed or uh, went higher than the upper limit is, and then you will mess up with the torque of the compressor. Mm. Then the motor in the compressor itself often is a different one. So, for example, 300 and 230 three phases. So. It's not as not so easy, but it's it's really great. Yeah. If well, <laughs> if yeah. this smooth start, it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, yeah. There are a couple of, of, of considerations to take there. Um, but Stefan, uh, thank you so much for your very deep knowledge about these things. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy that you could uh, actually participate in this this interview. Uh, and I hope to return. Uh, with you another time on on maybe other subjects so thank you so much stefan you're welcome it was a pleasure thanks a lot <laughs> <laughs>